The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Coffee and Cream on Hale Varsity Radio with Andrew Rogers and Damon Bennett. We are back. Coffee and Cream in the morning on Hale Varsity Radio, powered by Currency. Top of the hour, 8 a.m. Good morning if you are just joining us. But DB and I have been up since about 5 a.m. this morning. But we're happy to do that in order to give you the best coverage possible for early signing day. And I would I find it hard to believe if Brian Christofferson, who's on the phone right now with us, hasn't been up just as early to make sure he's been following along to a T, senior writer for Husker247.com. Brian, good morning. Good morning, guys. Uh, Yeah, you beat me if you got up at 5 a.m. by about an hour. (laughs) You know what? I kind of feel good about that because I figured you're you're like, that's pretty good, though. 6 a.m. on a day like this when you're like, you know, the the fake fax machines or the e-docs or whatever the kids are doing, B.C., aren't. I don't think are rolling in, although we have a couple of East Coasters, but you got Cornelius and Ngoi and Coleman. I think Benny is one. Malachi is 1045. Cornelius is this afternoon. Like how big or key? I feel like this is a swing state day in politics, right? Like a couple of yeses dramatically changed the course of this day. Yeah, that's true. It, it, it definitely shifts the perception on signing day if you add a couple as opposed to subtract a couple. And uh, I think Nebraska is going to finish well. Um, Malachi's obviously said he's going to announce later this morning, at least last I heard. So that one will be interesting. Um, Vincent Carroll Jackson is a guy I'm watching this week. Yeah. Uh, Elijah Judy, I don't know for sure if that'll come today or later, but that's one I'm watching. So, I mean, th- those are some pretty good names, just to name a few that I think could still Nebraska's way. Hey, Brian, fill in the blank. Malachi Coleman is headed to... I think it's going to be Nebraska. Um, at this point, I've, I'm always of the mind, let the kid just say it and, and we can react then. But uh, it feels like the tea leaves are sort of uh, in that direction uh, from what we've been hearing. But we'll know in a few hours. And uh, I think Matt Rule did a really good job closing out late in the process with him. He got in the home and visited him and the family the first day he could. And they really liked just how personable and down to earth he was. And I think that went a long way. Hey, so BC, how do you, what, what do you think? Because re- remember with, with Benny, and I'll just take him in particular because he's one that sticks in my mind of a guy and talking to coach rule that he like pinpointed. He's telling me, Hey, he's like this guy. I could see him doing this. He has these skill sets and this is a guy. And remember he went to Lincoln high early. And his tenure. So let's stay right there. What do you think it is about what this staff has either done or said that's allowed them to get guys? It's been a long time Iowa State commit. And trust me, Iowa State is good at what they do when it comes to recruiting to even entertain the option on signing day. Like, 
it's not just Benny, but that's a good isolated example. Like, what do you think it's been? Well, I think he's got a track record, uh, Matt Rule, where he can say, look, I, I took players at Temple and Baylor, who sometimes in certain cases were under the radar, and uh, they're in the league now. Just just check it out and, and look at the data, and you'll find we've produced and developed guys. And I think that's really something that players look at as they're deciding in these last few weeks and say, I want to go somewhere where coaches – have proof in the pudding that they've been able to develop guys, that those guys are actually playing on Sundays. And then it, then you've got to have that personality that just fits well in the living room and where you can converse and connect with the family. And I think uh, Matt Rule sort of has that. That's my initial impression of him. So I think he's one of those guys who when he walks in and sits in front of you the, the first half hour or whatever, you're going to say, I like that guy. I'm interested to hear more of what he has to say. So um, he obviously did a good job to get close with Benny, but uh, credit Iowa State. They they, they hung in there, and uh, they've done well in Nebraska too, uh, getting Benny and Ben Bramer. Those are two, uh, two great prospects to take out of this state. We're speaking with Brian Christofferson, senior writer for Husker247.com. You can toss him a follow on Twitter at Husker247BC. Brian, we just got done talking to Sam Sledge. He's one of a handful of native Nebraska linemen. I think that's a great way to put that. But based on what you've seen from the past recruiting cycles, uh, how good good of a job did Matt Rule do, and, and not just him, but the rest of his staff do, to really hit the in-state recruits hard in regards to filling up the offensive line and, and defensive line for that? Yeah, they did a good job there. You also got to credit, you got to credit the past staff too on that one. I mean, oh, they, sure. they had some of these guys committed before and especially on the line and you know, you, you have to get the guys in the trenches in this state. There's some good talent here, and then you just got to make them good players over the next two or three years once you get them in the program. So I think that's the key storyline today is there's a bunch of Nebraska kids in this class. There's seven right now. There could be more. And they stayed true to the Huskers, even through the coaching change. Sledge was one of those guys. Gunnar Gatula, for goodness sakes, he's been committed since, I think, June of 2021 and stuck with everything. So um, these are guys who have a lot of pride, I think, in this program, who have followed it since they're little kids, and you want them to uh, sort of uh, be the guys in your program others look to um, who are leaders and and know what this program's supposed to be about. Mm, Right from Iowa State's Twitter account. Um it looks like it says at Cyclone Football BC says bringing speed and bounce. This wide receiver has all the tools to excel in names. It's and it's got a good picture of Benny Nikoi. So this this yep. thing, listen, like when you're looking at these things, and regardless of who the player X is, and when it gets down to crunch time, are these the battles? Because remember, Nebraska historically hasn't really been on the 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 positive side of these. Is this where you – does this matter for the perception of recruiting prowess over time is to – kind of like one-score loss games, right, BC? Where do you want to be – do you always want to be in the hunt? Is that good 
in your opinion, when it comes down to these final decisions? Yeah, I mean, I, I think um, in a case like Benny, I mean, that was a tough that was a tough hill to climb. When you come in, if you're Matt Rule on staff in early December, he's already committed elsewhere for a couple of months. All you can do is put yourself in front of that prospect, lay it out as clearly as you can. This is how we develop guys. This is what we've done in the past. We can do it with you. And and that's really all you can do at that point and say, hey, come come visit us. Come learn more about us. We want to, We want you. We want to talk to you and we want you in this program. And then you let the chips fall where they may. I think they did everything they could in Benny's case. Um, but as you said earlier, Matt Campbell, this isn't his first rodeo. And he's got a lot on the line right now down in Ames and trying to get things going again. And he's done a good job in this cycle here in Nebraska. And you know full well, Damon, um, just like Iowa, Iowa State, these programs that are surrounding Nebraska, they're going to come in here and they're going to try to take guys every cycle. They're going to act like they can do it just as well as Nebraska. It's a different world than I think it was 20 years ago. And um, the, everybody knows now there's a lot of talent in this state. And so you got to have your elbows out and you got to really recruit it hard if you're the Huskers because nothing's a layup anymore. Brian, as we look at the status of Cornelius, one of the more sought-after portal prospe- prospects, in Nebraska, you know, they aggressively pursued the kid from Rhode Island and uh, brought him in for even an official visit. But since that point, uh, the competition has become a lot stiffer. You have Ohio State in the mix, Oregon, Tennessee. Is, is that becoming more unlikely or would you still say that uh, there is a strong possibility that Nebraska is high up on his list? I think that one's more unlikely last I heard. I thought Nebraska did a good job getting in on him early and then just every big boy that you could imagine showed up at his block and wanted to get him and so it's become a very tough recruitment. I sort of don't think they're going to get that one. I'm not sure if they're going to get Ben Scott either. I thought they put in a good effort there, Uh, but I I don't know that he's going to end up with Nebraska either. That's sort of my last day prediction, I guess. BC, when you take a look at what else is going on around the country nationally relative to the Big Ten, you have any takeaways? I mean, I know Bielema gets the big contract extension that's announced, and Illinois may have – the most known, I guess, about them of the teams in the Big Ten West. Remember Purdue, uh, new head coach, Wisconsin, new head coach, new offensive coordinator. Iowa, a little bit in limbo, but the majority of that's all right. As of right now, all that staff intact. Minnesota, going to have a quarterback change. What, like, what, how are you feeling about the Big Ten in terms of recruiting as a whole right now? It's gotten better. I mean, I, I think um, you're seeing more and more Big Ten teams that aren't Ohio State, Penn State, and Michigan that are in the hunt for some big-time players. I know Iowa lost a, a good one in fi- a five-star lineman the other day, but they're still ranked yeah, how about in the Big Ten in recruiting. Wowzer. Yeah. Wow. And then uh, Maryland. Maryland's a good recruiting school now. I mean, yeah. they're fifth in 
the Big Ten and 24-7 sports rankings. Um, Michigan State's up there with Mel Tucker, so you know he's going to always put a good class together. It's just a matter if he can develop them. But I think there's now like eight to ten really good recruiting programs in the league um, that are going to be in the top 40 almost every year. So that's what you're dealing with around here. And Nebraska is going to go head-to-head against Rutgers for New Jersey guys. They're going to go head-to-head against Penn State and Ohio State for Philadelphia guys. It's going to get really interesting around here with this staff and some of their connections when you think about uh, where those areas are. Branch out even further here, and I don't want to get too far ahead because uh, there is still a, a small window before UCLA and USC join the Big Ten. But what about the two quarterback recruits both of those programs got? Yeah, um, I mean, they're going to all get those type of guys. They're 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 going to get those skill guys. The question they're going to have to answer, and they're going to they need to start doing it is can they get the guys in the trenches to hold up in this league? And I know USC is USC, but uh, it's going to be interesting that first couple of years, I think, when they're in the Big Ten and the physicality of this league and how it wears on you into November. So they need to really – that's the area where they really need to stock up is in the trenches and have those type of guys who can go toe-to-toe in this league. Uh, But there's no doubt that they are going to – get some really good skilled guys every cycle. And there's also no doubt to me that this new Nebraska staff is going to hit California a lot more than we've seen uh, recently. I'm not saying to get out your Calabrasca t-shirts again. I'd rather you not. But I, I think Nebraska is going to hit the West Coast with some of the staff members they have again. And, and we'll see what happens with ride receiver coaches in Texas, yay or nay, or or kind of that development. But is that a part of the country, BC? Since you because since you bring it up, that you think would behoove Nebraska, or do you pit that against if they're having successes in other places, it would be secondary and not necessary? I've always thought of California as secondary to Nebraska recruiting. Nowadays, it didn't used to be that way, but I think in the last 10 to 15 years, it's become that way. However, if you have certain staff members who are very well connected there, and I think Nebraska has a couple of guys, then you pick and choose there and, and you, you, you fight some battles and I think they will. But Texas for sure is going to be a place that this staff hits like nobody's business. And Matt Rule, when he was at Baylor, he came in as an outsider from the East Coast. And within several months, a lot of coaches down in those Texas high school circles loved him. And he really fit in well. So those connections haven't gone away. So there's no way Nebraska is not going to use them to every degree possible. Hmm. Brian, Nebraska ranks... 44th in the composite recruiting rankings, uh, and that came out just ahead of early National Signing Day uh, yesterday. But, you know, my question to you is this. Is that 44? Is that Did that exceed expectations? Was that kind of right on the nose for expectation, or do you think uh, people expected more than that? I think in the future they'll want them to be like a top 25 class, 
Um, but I also think there's an understanding around here about how much everything got flipped over three or four weeks ago and you've kind of had to start over in some cases. So there's going to be some grace with whatever their final ranking is. And I think more than anything, a lot of fans in this part are just focused on that development word. It's like, I've heard a lot about players in past recruiting cycles who have rated highly and this and that, but I haven't seen them develop. So whoever you get, whether this class is ranked 45th or 15th, I want to see some of these guys two or three years from now who are contributing, Mm. who at some point in their career are challenging to be all Big Ten type players. That's what this fan base wants more than anything. They've seen that there are other programs that, like Iowa, Wisconsin, that sometimes have rated lower in recruiting, but they've been able to get their guys uh, to progress and they've competed for division titles. And so I think that's what people are looking for here is development more than anything. Brian, you're the best man. We appreciate your time. Thanks so much. Thanks for getting up early. What a species. Yep. Thanks guys. That is Brian Christofferson, senior writer for Husker 247.com. Damon, he, he said a lot of good things, but you know, what I wanted to touch on here before we end up talking to Maverick Noonan right about the 830 mark, it, 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 you know, it, we're in the, the spirit of the holidays, right? And, you know, you put together a wish list of, of things that you would like to receive. But how about in Nebraska's case? If you compiled the Nebraska wish list, who would be at the top of your list right now in regards to the question marks? Well, I think there's probably two. Um, because I have, I have just one, but I'd, I'd be interested to hear your two. So, but one I think is more perception um, for what I feel it does in terms of, of momentum. But I'll start with Cornelius, right? Because I, I'd like a little more stability along the offensive line. And I know that those guys are excited in that offensive line room about their offensive line coach coming back. I'd like a little more proven talent uh, because I think that's a glaring need uh, for this football team. And then I would like for them uh, at least the perception is is to win the Malachi Coleman battle. I I don't know how that is going to come to fruition in terms of play. And there isn't a lot of tape out there in terms of like, yeah, but there is a lot of ability um, in terms of talent. So if they can get those two things to met to mesh over the long haul for the next two or three years, I think from a perception standpoint, that would create momentum. That may be more about the image than the, the actual practicality of it. But I think so that that's probably one a to the one in terms of getting Cornelius. Interesting that you said those two names. Those were the two names I had written down, except uh, when I created my nice list and naughty list, Cornelius was on my naughty list for the reason of, I, you, like I talked about with BC, it, the competition is so, it's, it's so big. big and heavy now. And, you know, it, it, I sit back and, you know, I want to be, I want to be completely transparent and say, okay, like let's, let's not just dive right into the Kool-Aid. Um, Cornelius wants to play for, uh, you know, a top 10 football program right away. 
because he was playing at Rhode Island for the longest time. He got to a point to where his stock is now rising. Now he's going to be looking toward the NFL draft. Where do you go to do that? You go to one of the top 10 programs in the nation. It's it's just kind of obvious, and unfortunately, that's just the world we live in. On the other side, um, you mentioned Malachi Coleman. That was the name for me that is probably the number one wish right now. And, you know, despite the trip to Colorado, I still think Nebraska has the leg up. We know Malachi is a big relationship guy. And from what I've heard, he's been that way. His, at, his least, yeah, at least that's what we've read through social media and his parents. And I mean, that's the image that's definitely portrayed. Correct. Now, why wouldn't he stay in town then where the relationships are at its strongest? And I'm not talking just football here. I'm talking about family, friends, and community. As someone who thrives off of relationships myself, I, I mean, that's why when when I was looking for a new town to settle in, as people know, I, I'm not a, a native of Omaha or Lincoln or to Nebraska, but I moved to Iowa and then I moved to Nebraska, but I, I'm a St. Louis kid at heart. So for me, bouncing around, I know what it's like to be in an area where your relationships aren't very strong and they are strong. Uh, when I was in Iowa, my relationships weren't that great with community. Now I had people up there that I created some with and, and, you know, the various high school teams and coaches and players, like that's one thing, but it wasn't like those were my people. Mm -hmm. And now I come to Omaha and I've created such a family here. And I finally found what I call a second home. So for me, that, that is so big for me too, is just knowing my area, knowing my people. So when I look at Malachi here, I'm not sure what, family or, or any, any relationship he has in Colorado. And we won't know that until he makes his announcement. But what I do know is he has a lot of people siding with them here in Lincoln. And I think that goes a long way with a kid like him. Yeah. I, and I would agree. And, and I know, uh, listen, I think if Nebraska fans took a hundred percent truth serum, they don't love the, the kind of the extra and what kind of comes with this recruiting cycle for Malachi Coleman. But I do think they would trade that in in a heartbeat to embrace one of their own from Lincoln East to say, hey, he's staying home and being able to to cheer for him. So I think that's important and him being comfortable because I think the, the downside to that is I think for him, if we're being 100% honest, and I'm not afraid to say this, is I think there's a certain segment of the fan base that once there's a prove it aspect, right? Like, hey, you've garnered a ton of attention. You've got a lot of accolades. I want to actually see the production. So I think they have to think about that too because that's pressure. And as I, pressure. Told, as I told you yesterday and I always say, pressure either yields you diamonds or it busts pipes. You don't want to be a pipe buster in this deal. So I think... That's why I make it 1A, because there's a little other that goes with that. And I think it's conversations that we have to have, because I think people want to see him thrive and be productive where the potential meets the expectations. And I don't think there's the worry of failure in his mind at all. There can't be. And I don't don't know him, so I'm I'm, I'm speaking off the cuff there. I've, I've never... I just I shook his hand at the Bellevue Westburg game and I said hello or Bellevue West and prep game and 
so I don't know him, so I don't want to pretend to be in his head. I'm right. just telling you from the outside looking in how I see you have to be able to be successful at the Power 5 level. you got to be able to dial in. And I'm with you. Okay, same thing. I, I, I could – DB, whatever just came out of his mouth could come out of my mouth too in that <laughs> regard. Um, but I will say, you know, if he does feel a little bit of pressure, maybe he doesn't stay home because he doesn't want to disappoint. Who knows? We'll hear his decision later on today. 45. But – We'll hear from Maverick Noonan next on Hale Varsity Radio.